Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. When I began pastoring, it became very clear to me early on that my missiology or my way of understanding mission, what the mission of the church is, and my ecclesiology or understanding the structure of the church and what the church is actually supposed to be was never going to be confined to a building or never geared toward a building. And don't get me wrong, I think buildings are very important. I think this building is very important. This building is where we collectively get together, not only on Sunday mornings, but also for our community groups and a lot of wonderful events. So I'm not saying that buildings are not important because they are, but for me, they're definitely not the centerpiece. I couldn't interpret scripture in that way. So if you ask people around here right now that have had a chance over the last year to get to know me a little bit, and you ask them, when is Matt at his happiest? Or when does Matt seem like he's the least tense or got something really heavy on his mind and seem the most relaxed? I think that most of the people that know me well will say it's when we're serving outside of our church. And it's when I have an opportunity to talk to people that will just quite frankly be really honest about the struggles and the things that they're going through. And they're not necessarily doing what we can sometimes do and kind of hide behind the convenient church face whenever we're here. And I would say along with teaching and preaching, because that's obviously a great passion of mine within my calling, but being outside of the church is something that's very important. I believe it's important for people that live around the church, especially within about a five mile radius, which is some of you. I believe that people that live around the church should know that the church in their neighborhood is going to offer the best picture of what the grace and love of God is supposed to look like. That's what, this is not the way we see it though. We drive by and we often see what looks like a boring brick building, or in a lot of cases, um, a, a, a warehouse type building if you look at ours, whereas people drive by, they say, well, that doesn't seem like a very safe place. That's probably a place where they do their little thing and their social club, and I really have no interest in that. Being part of a warehouse here, I wonder how many people in the past have actually known that we existed. When we started doing some ministry outside of the church, there were some people that did ask me, oh, are you guys the brick church down? You know, and I said, no, that's Boone's Creek Free Will Baptist Church, if I remember correctly, right, right over here. So do we really have an active presence? Otherwise, why do we exist? I mean, really, why do we exist? You say, well, we exist to glorify God and equip the saints within the building. But if other people outside of the church have no idea who we are and have no idea what we're about, why do we really exist if there's a world outside of the church that we are responsible for reaching? 
So we're in the final part of a fall practice. Each spring and fall, we do what we call a practice. Spiritual formation is one of our core values to become students of Jesus. In the spring, we focused on scripture. In the fall, we are focusing on hospitality. This is the last week. I want to give you guys a recap of where we've been. You can go back and listen to these messages online, and I highly recommend that you do that so you get the full picture of everything that we've talked about in these five weeks. So in week one, we gave or offered an introduction to hospitality within Scripture in the church. We gave a definition of what hospitality was, stranger love, inviting people in and treating them like friends and family. And we talked about the scriptural basis for that. We then talked about hospitality and Christian witness. In week three, we talked about loving the outsider and showing hospitality to people that are not like us. Last week, we talked about the art of welcome. And what that was surrounded around was this building. Within this church, how do we really welcome people and love people that may not have real familiar uh, situations or memories of church or good uh, positive experiences with church? And again, today we're going to talk about what it means to be a neighboring church. So some goals for our fall practice that we've talked about every single week. The first one, which we covered in part one, two, and three, were individual goals for your life as an individual Christian. And for this is, this is for you to become hospitable like Jesus. All right. That was the first three weeks that we covered. The last two weeks, we've talked more about a, instead of a micro focus, a macro focus or what we're supposed to be as a church. Last week, it was how to people see as they come into our church, uh, see us as hospitable people who love others. And then today, how do people see us outside of the church or as a neighboring church? So that's where we're going to be today. I'm going to ask you to turn to the gospel of John, if you will, if you do have your Bible. I know it's a little bit dark in here. One thing that we're going to try to do as we look in um, at the beginning of the year with some stage stuff that we're going to do is provide some lighting during this part of the service. John chapter 1, 1 through 14. You can also follow on the, on the screen if you want to. John 1, 1 through 14. John begins his gospel very different than the synoptics, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, in a very different way, because these usually start with some genealogy or with the birth of Jesus. But John takes a very cosmic, very different direction, and this is going to be important for us today. This is an absolutely amazing passage that is full of so many things that is often read the wrong way. All right, so we're going to be in John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14, just an incredible scripture. In the beginning was the word. Logos is the translation in Greek. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word and without the word, nothing came into being. These are the origins of our world. What came into being through the word was life, Zoe. And the life, Zoe, was the foss, or light, for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. A man named John, who we know as John the Baptist, not John the writer of this gospel, John the beloved apostle, uh, 
A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the word didn't recognize the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who did believe in his name, he authorized to become children of God or God's children. For not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The Lagos became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of the Father's only Son. Full of grace and full of truth. So Jesus brings light everywhere he goes. This is not confined to the synagogue that Jesus often spoke in, but he brings light wherever he goes. It was also the responsibility of the disciples and anyone in this church who considers themselves to be a disciple to go tell, and establish. The responsibility of a disciple is to go, not stay, to go, to tell, and then to establish. You may say, well, I know what it means to go. I think I know what it means to tell. If you're talking about evangelism, what does it mean to talk about to establish? We'll stick around because this is what we're going to be getting into in our vision series at the beginning of the year in 2022. So go tell and establish. This is the public ministry that we're all responsible for. And I want to point out something that is obvious to some of you, but it's not as obvious to others of you that have in your life been just absolutely churched to death. All right, because some of you have been so churched and so like full of the language that this doesn't make sense. And we hit on this a lot last week. A growing number of people in society do not see church as a safe place. All right, A growing number of people in society do not see church as a safe place. So for me, as I went through some of the things I went through this weekend and some things that were very difficult, for me, whenever I come here, I know that there are people that love me. I know that there are people that regardless of what I share, serious, heartbreaking things, that they are still going to love me. But there are a lot of people, a lot of people who do not see church as a safe place. They do not see church as a loving place. They do not see church as a good place. So it doesn't matter if you tell people within a five-mile radius, well, this is where we're located. It looks a little bit like a, like a warehouse. It's right below Green Tech Environmental. Well, okay, sure, whatever. What do you all do in there? Handle snakes. Uh, you know, uh, scream and shout and do all this crazy stuff. It's okay. I've got a lot of weird in my life. I don't necessarily need that. You guys go ahead. 
you know, you dress up in your suits and ties, you look real nice, then you go out and judge other people because you believe they're not living as good as you. No, I'll pass. I'm good with that. We're also not taking into consideration that church for a lot of people has been a place of trauma, and we need to start talking about that more. Church has been a place of sexual abuse for some people, and we need to give those people a voice. It's been a place of power mongering where people have taken beautiful scriptures and misinterpreted those scriptures, scriptures and destroyed the lives of other people. It's been a place of hypocrisy. It's been a place of bad advice. It's been a place of many of these things. So a lot of people, when they see this place, this is what they say. It's for a specific kind of people that want to be part of a specific kind of club, and I want absolutely nothing to do with it. Again, Jesus brings light. This is, this is very different. Jesus brings light everywhere he goes because he knew people would not come looking for light until light, as the passage tells us, dwelled among them. So what Jesus does is he makes it a point in his life to not be trapped in the synagogue or all the time in the company of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he makes it a point, and I am talking largely more about the experience of the church. He makes it a point to bring light to then dwell among the people. So I've discussed some of our personal responsibilities, and today we really want to focus on our identity as a church. Um, we talked about that a little bit last week with what goes on inside the church. We want to talk about what goes on outside of the church. So please understand that light, or phos in Greek, we'll talk about that more in a minute, and life, Zoe, cannot be confined to a building. It must show up in the neighborhood. It must show up in the neighborhood. So when we talk about hospitality, hospitality, I'm going to get that word right at some point today. I've said it for five weeks, you'd think I'd be okay. When we talk about hospitality, and when we talk about how we're to love and treat and greet and respond to other people, this is not a Sunday morning thing. This is not a thing simply around the people that look like us, talk like us, act like us. In fact, Jesus is talking about something that is very different. So light that leaves the building, Foss, what this means is extreme purity. Extreme purity. It means perfect truth. So whenever we're talking about the light that Jesus brings into this world, we're talking about the greatest possible thing that you could ever imagine. When we talk about Zoe or life, we're not talking about, well, I'm just living life. Well, I'm just getting by. Well, I'm attending church on Sunday. We're talking about the best possible life that you can imagine. Because there is a false self. And the false self is greedy. And the false self is selfish. And the false self is conceited. And the false self is always seeking what it can do for itself. But whenever we experience life, or as John calls it in another place, life more abundantly, we are starting to discover why we are here. 
You are not here to soak in your own misery. You are not here to live in addiction. You are not here to woe is me and talk about how bad life is. And you sure as heck aren't here to sit in a church chair and never do anything in your life. You are called toward something deeper. You are called toward a purpose. Every single person in here, well, I'm in here today, but I'm kind of still on the outside. Well, you're here today and the light's here and the light is dwelling among us. Your life can change today. And this is what Jesus thinks. This is what Jesus says every single time that he goes to the Father. Make me this vessel. Make me this thing that I'm supposed to be. Not around my little clique in the church, but in the world that I live in. Little difference in what we're talking about today. is not what we're talking about in week two with Christian witness, your individual life. What we're talking about today is Believer's Church. Six months from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, people need to be looking at this church. That's not the biggest church. Not the fanciest church. But I'll tell you this much, you can't pull in the parking lot without, without feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't even go to the trailer park down the road. You can't even go across the street to that neighborhood. You can't go to the supermarket down there. You can't touch one place in this community that Believer's Church's hand is not all over. So that's the future. And that looks a little bit different than, come to our church. We've got the best this. We've got the best that. It's scattering. It's going. It's telling. And then it's establishing, and we do this in other places as well. Verses 4 and 5, what came, into, what came into being through the word was the life, Zoe, and the life was the light, Phos, for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not distinguish the light. Please understand that the word here is not talking about the word of God. The word of God was not even put together yet in the form of the New Testament, at least. But a lot of people think when it says in the beginning was the word, they're trying to say that, well, uh, God or Jesus was the, was the word. No, what this means, word logos, is the entire message, the redemptive story of Jesus. It was here in the beginning. This message, this light, and this life flowed from the very beginning. So this word or logos is referring to the person and the redemptive work of Jesus. And this redemptive work is to be known through the church, this is where we get it, and expressed outside of the church. Again, not as individuals. That's a different thing. We talked about evangelism, Christian witness. We're talking about us as a body. We're not talking about well, well, Cody is a, a soul winner. He's telling everybody about Jesus. Or, or Callie is a teenager and she's doing all these wonderful things, talking to people about things. That's part of it. But what I'm talking about within our vision and within our DNA, within our culture, we see ourselves as a church that cares about people. And whenever there's someone down the road that's struggling in their marriage, Whenever there's someone that's struggling or an entire family that's struggling with addiction, we don't push them away. We tell them, you have a safe 
place. You struggle with depression. You struggle with addiction. You've got things going on in your life. The grace of God can heal you. Let us help you. We're not here to hurt you. We're not here to damage you. We're not here to continue to produce the same things that you've seen in church over and over. We're here to show the light and the life. And we just don't see a lot of that. A lot of times the pastor gets a phone call. Well, let me try to connect you with so-and-so that I know that deals with those kinds of things. And then it just completely falls away and this guy or this woman are focused on the rest of their agenda. And, and nobody knows about their church. And nobody knows who they are. Social media with churches, it's very important. But our foot traction and our ability to get out there and show who we are is still very very important. This leads to the conclusion, as far as I'm concerned, that it's our responsibility to show this light and life. This is the most genuine form of hospitality you're ever going to experience. And this is where you guys say, as the typical church does, well, Matt, you're the pastor. We pay you. You go do it. Well, Dickie Gilbert's an elder. He can go do it too. We've got a worship pastor. Don't we pay that guy? Don't, don't we pay somebody for students? Can't we go pay them? We've got some people that do almost everything around here. Can't they take care of it? No, it's you. Amen. It's every single one of us. This is authentic discipleship. This fits into everything that we do. So you know what we do? We break it down, and right now we're a small enough church to do this. And we learn to do it together. We learn to do it together. We lock arms. We love one another. We pray and pray and pray for this unity that is so hard to keep because there's an enemy. And we do it together. And we start to see change through the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere around us. Verses 6 and 8. A man named John, John the, the Baptist, was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light. And you know, there was some conflict for a little while, because John was very influential. And John was baptizing a lot of people. And John could have easily said when people wanted to question, John, are you the Messiah? John, are you the one that's coming? Are you, the, are you this prophet? John could have said, well, you know, I am a pretty big deal. But no, he constantly points the finger to Jesus. And you know what he says in 3.30? I must decrease. And he must increase. Now, for a lot of us, that would take a lot. But for John... John was in that place in which he understood this. So this portion of Scripture is going to be followed in John 3 with John the Baptist and his livelihood talking about Jesus around the neighborhood. Not in the synagogues, mind you. Because the way he looked, and you just have to know a little bit about John the Baptist, he probably didn't fit in very well in the synagogues. He's like some of us, okay? So he's telling everybody. And what does this passage tell us? It was his mission. If we go back, we see right here, he himself wasn't the light, but it was his mission 
to testify concerning the light. Here's the thing. People in the neighborhood could tell you about John the Baptist. They could tell you. They could tell you what he looked like. They could tell you what he wore. They could tell you what he ate. They could tell you about his customs. And I'm going to make you a promise, and we're early on in this journey, okay? Because for me, I was always, got to have it now, got to have it now, got to have it now. God has started to show me the, 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 the long road or the long way, okay? The long game of grace. But I'm going to make you a promise. You ask these workers up here at Green Tech who Debbie Hodges is, who the woman is that, that, that organizes all this stuff in these menus, they're going to be able to tell you who Debbie is. You ask these people who Dickie is, Dickie Gilbert. That's the guy that opens the door. That's the guy that was grilling those good hamburgers the other day, which brought in more people. They're going to be able to tell you these things. Neighborhood nights. I don't know what Jack's trailer park was like uh, prior to us going down there, but I will guarantee you that if you ask 75% of the people that are down there now, yeah, I know Pastor Matt. He comes by to pray with us. Yeah, I know when they come down here and they have that. I know what they're about. I can tell you where they are now. I can tell you some of the ministries that they do. Because there is a presence in the neighborhood. And here's the thing. This is just the beginning. I mean, this is just an experimental, spirit-led, grassroots beginning to what God has showed us at this point, because he knows if we give us too, he gives us too much, we're not going to know exactly what to do with it. So look also at uh, point three that I want to mention this morning, and this is this light and this life. Foz and Zoe is specifically God in flesh. And it's very important that we understand that. Verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and made its home among us. There's a way that Eugene Peterson says this. I'm going to share in a minute. It's just great. We have seen his glory, glory like the father's only son, full of judgment and ridicule. Is that what it says? Full of hypocrisy and meanness. Full of trying to shame me. No. Full of grace and love. Eugene Peterson says this in the translation, the message. I love this. The word, the logos, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The power of Jesus, the resurrecting power and blood of the Son of God, the newness of life that takes a person and says, I have a career, I have ambitions, I have these things I want for my kids, I have all these things that I care about. And they lay these things down. Because Jesus comes into the neighborhood. What does it take for us to truly understand what that means? What does it take for us to understand? Because for this location and this believer's church, I like it here. And as long as our landlords let us to let us continue to be here i think this is a great place for this church to be so the question is 
How do we make ourselves at home and pay attention to everything that's going on outside of our church? You want to know why this life appears so unappealing and inauthentic to people in the neighborhood? Because the only thing they ever see is a watered-down version of what this is supposed to look like. They see this rigid life of rules and regulations, and they want absolutely nothing to do with it. But what if the woman who is struggling with the shame because she's had an abortion, what if the person that has just got out of jail, literally just got out of jail, what if the person without a high school education or the single mother or the marriage that's struggling, what if they were told by someone down the road from this church, you need help? Beyond just money, you need help, you need love, you need compassion, you need recovery, or more importantly, and it would never be asked this way, do you need to be raised from the dead? I know of a place up the road. And when people go there, they get better. People walk into that place carrying something pretty significant. People walk into that place with their marriage absolutely destroyed. And they come out leading a marriage ministry. They come out transformed. It's not just a place to find community. It's not just a place with a killer band. It's not just a place to find some friends. It's a place where you discover light and you discover light, life. So we have four core values at Believer's Church. Formation, community, servanthood, and multiplication. Servanthood is really where we use this, this outward focus, okay? It does mean also to serve in our church, which we think is very important. We talked about that a little bit last week, gave you the opportunity to sign up to serve. But this servanthood portion has even more to do with us serving the least of these broken people in struggling places. That's who we are. That's part of of our identity. And if you're going to be here, that has to become part of your identity as well. So it's to love others like Jesus. So whenever I started as an interim pa uh, pastor at this church, I'm constantly seeing people on their lunch break coming out smoking, a lot of bad language, people in difficult places in their lives, uh, no doubt with that kind of work, well, really any kind of work, there's probably the presence of addiction and struggle and some of those things that are going on, possible financial struggles. We didn't even know before we started this ministry, really in the factory setting, how high the turnover rate is on a regular basis. 
And I thought, this is an opportunity that we can't pass up. And we're right in the middle of a hard time of this COVID mess. And at the time, I didn't feel that it made any sense at all. But the second we caught a break in the summer when things started down, we started this ministry, and it's been wonderful. I met with the CEOs uh, for the Lunchroom Project. I spoke at a staff rally. People looked at me with a lot of suspicion. And that's what they're going to do if you crowd yourself around a lot of people that don't go to church on a regular basis or they've been burnt by the system, so to speak. But I speak at this staff rally, and people looked at me with a lot of suspicion, and now we serve lunch to between, I'd say, 15 to 28. Dickie, would you say those numbers are accurate? 15 to 28 people um, every single week. And uh, someone reached out to me, and they told me that the uh, company morale is up. Management personally contacted me when people are going through difficult times, and I've had the opportunity to talk to people about a lot of things, including suicide, that people are going through. That door would have never opened if the light and the life had not started dwelling among them. Lunchroom projects every Monday. Not long after I started working here, I started driving through this trailer park down the road uh, called Jack's Drive. And I don't know what it was. I, I, I can't really tell you what it was that, that drew me there, but I just started praying for the people on a regular basis, and I knew that we were supposed to do something. Around that same period of time, Neighborhood Nights is born. There's Nicole serving snow cones. And we started this ministry of kids' activities, worship music, uh, spending time together, food. We provide a meal, um, a short sermon, um, invite them to our church, but no pressure whatsoever. And it's also opened up the door to talk about addiction, to talk about marital struggles, to talk about poverty, and most importantly, to talk about Jesus. And I'll say this again. I look at this as the beginning. I look at this as we are starting to do this, and as some of you, through your spiritual gifting, not just your ideas, but through your spiritual gifting, some of you are going to approach me and we'll look at it, we'll analyze it, we'll see where it works in our neighborhood and it may be something that we incorporate. That's the way organic ministry, that's the way incarnational and missiology works is that we see where the needs are. We see just a small, dark place that needs the grace and the love of Jesus. And we meet people there instead of expecting them to meet us here. So as we conclude with these practices today, one thing that I want to encourage you to do, if you've heard a little bit about Neighborhood Nights, or you've heard about the Lunchroom Project, and I know some of you work on a Monday and this wouldn't work either, either way, and you want to participate in these ministries, if you want to start praying about what's next for Believer's Church and where we're supposed to be next, this is what I want to encourage you to do. And I want you to consider signing up. Because I'm, I'm just going to say this and then I promise I'll shut up. There is, and I know some of you have experienced this for the first time here, there is something released within you 
that is Holy Spirit filled when you serve people that are either different from you or have less than you that you just don't receive in most ministry settings. It's just different. And it's also something that's lacking from some of our most well-known Christian leaders around the country and around the world. Closing with our goals. For you to become more hospitable like Jesus. We do this through loving the outsider, welcoming the stranger, making our space, if it's our table, if it's the environment that we're in, welcome and loving to all people. It's being that witness. It's understanding that hospitality is not simply a good thing to do, but also a way over time to share the goodness of God. It'll come up. I'm going to promise you, if you tell people that you go to church, if you make one comment about a song that you like, if, you, if they hear you listening uh, to, to Christian music, if they hear you talking about how good God is in one way, it will come up. The question is, what do you do in that moment? Bring them into your world instead of going into theirs. That's how it works. From a church perspective, to practice hospitality in this building toward guests and outsiders in a way that absolutely blows people away. And for our church to be seen as a good neighbor by those around us. And I just want you guys to know in here today as we close that if you're in a place and you have secrets, struggles with a substance, struggles with pornography, you're in a, you're in a tough place in your marriage, you're just in a, you know, I find myself sometimes just in these places spiritually where I just, I just don't feel God. And that's really, really hard for me to not feel the presence of God. Maybe you're just in a rut, in a difficult place. What we're going to do in a second as we start to sing is that if you need to lay things down at the altar, if you need to take this, this practice and look at it in a deeper way, in a way that it's going to transform who you are, I'd like to invite you, whoever you are, to come down and pray this morning. And if you need me to pray with you, course, I'd be honored to do so. Father, we, we thank you. We are absolutely privileged in every way to be able to serve you, to be able to call you dad. God, we need you to lead us. We know that we do not have the ability on our own. But Father, help us to see the strength and the courage and the, uh, the boldness of a John the Baptist. Help us to understand, Father, as, as creatures of heaven and as followers of Jesus, that everything that we need is already at our disposal. The only thing that we need to do, and we can do this in this moment today, through the power of God, is release it. Father, you know our direction. You know that the leadership in this church is pursuing you. 
you know that some of us are experiencing things we've never experienced before. And my prayer, Father, is that we carry our burdens to you this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.